Live from the J.C. Newman Cigar Studios in Boston, Massachusetts, welcome to the Smokin' Tobacco Show with your hosts, Matt Tobacco and Smokin' Nicole. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Smokin' Tobacco Show. My name is Matt Tobacco from SmokinTobacco.com, and I am joined once again by my beautiful fiance, Smokin' Nicole. And tonight we want to welcome on um, our guest this week, very cool guy. What I think is one of the most interesting people in the industry. Um, Thank you. He is, uh, he's got a lot of different things going on. We're going to get into it. Uh, really colorful guy. Um, and his name is Tony Bellato. Tony, welcome to the Smoking Tobacco Show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the, the quick synopsis of Tony Bellato before we really dive into it and get into other things. Um, Obviously, you're in the cigar business. Um, you have multiple brands at this point that you own. Uh, you all you are also a very highly educated and trained wine sommelier, uh, which is very interesting. And we have a lot of questions, both publicly and personally, on that matter. <laughs> um, I am in. And as we just found out, you also moonlight as a DJ. Correct. Mostly at my house. I've only, I've done one wedding, huh. but it's it's in my. I have a little room over there that I'm allowed to do that stuff in. It's kind of like your Tony time. You get the zone. Yeah, kind of Tony time. <laughs> well, Tony, what are you? Uh, so, what are you drinking and what are you smoking tonight with us? Uh, I am actually having coffee right now. <clears throat> I have been. I have actually. Today is my last day of my month cleanse so i am day i'm 31 days of no alcohol so i'm gonna have a little wine later on but um i figured i needed a little break to reset the palate reset the body so i think i'm going i'm going for chicken wings and beer tonight to kind of ease my ease my you know toes back into the water so to speak oh that's 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 definitely gentle (laughs) <laughs> right, right. So do you do so, that periodically to cleanse your palate? Now that I'm almost 40, yeah. Because okay. it's like, it just like, it just gets so burnt out, you know? Um, after cigar, after cigar, after different wine, after different wine, after different beer, after different beer, it just kind of gets, you know, I, I don't even know what I'm tasting anymore. But then you do like a little reset for a month or so. And I don't know, it works. I think it works. I try to, you know, not smoke that many cigars. I mean, I still smoke cigars, but try not to focus on, because the other thing is like you lose the enjoyment. I think if you are continuously doing it and evaluating it. So if you just kind of stop and take a break, then, you know, you can reset your palate, but also reset kind of your, like why you're doing it all in the first place. Right. You know, cause if you're so objective all the time, like if I'm always like evaluating a wine or like evaluating a cigar, deconstructing it or trying to figure it out, or why does this taste like this? Or why does it taste like that? You know, you kind of like, I don't want to say get humdrum, but it's good to kind of like stop and say, okay, why, why am I enjoying this in the first place? I'm not doing it just to, just out of like uh, repetitive motion. You know what I mean? Right. No, yeah, absolutely. It, it's always good uh, to give everything a, a break, cleanse, um, cycle it out. It, it definitely helps. I, I, I went through a period last summer when I was just smoking so much, just trying to get through different things and, you know, those samples of stuff I wanted to try, the stuff that I wanted to try, and um, just stuff that I just like to smoke, you know, your regular stuff that you, you know you're going to smoke anyway. And you get to a point where you're just like, I need like to take a break. And... Um, I'll go like, you know, a week or two and uh, take a couple of weeks and I just just kind of take a solid break from it and kind of clear out. And, and, you're, and you do. You feel it physically, too. Um, oh, yeah. So you kind of let your body like kind of clean out and then you start again. And it it really it kind of brings it all back like in a good way again. You, you, it's definitely you can tell you can tell it's a reset and you can feel it, too. Uh, you can taste it, but you can feel it. And uh, that's the big thing for me. So I, I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, and I think it is a good practice. So, um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. It's a good talking point. Um, yeah. Well, so that, yeah, it's like I said, today is day 30, 31 or thirties, but I gave, I'm giving myself a solid month. 
I didn't want to make, but then again, I didn't want dry January because then, you know, everybody does that. I can't be like everybody else. Yeah, so yeah, I went dry, I went dry February 21st, March 24th. <laughs> <laughs> you did dry late winter. <laughs> yeah. Dry in Ohio with same with you guys, dry third winter. So like, I like oh, to call I know. it. <laughs> it's going to snow here again on Sunday. It was 75 two days ago. Oh, Jesus. Uh, but the the 30 days is a commitment. I don't think it I is. could do it. <laughs> well, what do I'm they, just going to be honest. Well, what do they say? Like, it's 21 days to break a habit. So once you get to 21, I mean, then the last the last seven, it's easy. The two-week two <laughs> mark was tough. Yeah, two weeks was tough. It was white knuckle for two weeks because it was like you get into the habit and you're like, oh, like I want, you know, pasta and a glass of wine or like, you know, you go out to eat. And I told myself I wasn't like – gonna have anything so then i go out my dad's a big wine guy also so i went out with my family and like my dad gets like these crazy good bottles of wine and i'm sitting there like having a like soda cranberry like wah, wah. but now you know now i look forward to it again yeah. where before like i was kind of taking advantage of it you know a little bit and it's like you get into that like you don't sit down to stop and enjoy it like i'm gonna have a beer tonight and, it's, and i'm gonna have a miller high life which i have with my wings and I'm gonna enjoy it, which I I like every Tuesday. I would go get wings and not really enjoy the beer. Now it's gonna be really cold. The wings are gonna be really bad for me. And it's gonna be a nice night. You deserve it, Tony. That's what you, you gotta tell you. Thank you. You deserve it. Treat yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah, treat yourself. You work hard. <laughs> uh, I don't. So, did you say what you were smoking though? I'm sorry. Did I miss that? Uh, no. I'm smoking a kind of a prototype for uh the new stuff that's coming out i'm smoking a bellotto edition uh desflorado connecticut so interesting this was one of only they're eight years old and it's there was only 500 cigars and i i kind of had to convince william to sell them to me so that i could smoke through most of them um as kind of a you know prototype for uh the new stuff i've yeah yeah It's kind of like a, a benchmark of where I want to go with some different stuff. So that's what I got. So we are both smoking the Ricochet San Andreas. Uh-huh. And um, so far, really good. Real sweet right up front, too. It's, it's really nice. A lot of flavor. Um, I had previously had the blue, which is the Habano, I believe, correct? Yes. Yep. Um, which was the first La Barba cigar that I had. And I actually got that from my friend Bear Duplissi of El Sufumar Takes, who, who gave that cigar cigar of the year. Um, I had that cigar and I was blown away by it. It was fantastic, and um, it it really it brought me into La Barba. That's that's the cigar that you know really was like oh I gotta I gotta see more I gotta learn more about this and you know you know we you know we met at the trade show and and yep. so on and so forth. So uh, it it's been really uh, I've been really enjoying the La Barba line so far. It's it's been really good. Thank and, you. And, um, it is a brand that you've had for a few years now, but now as of recently. Without getting too far ahead of ourselves, we'll break it down a little bit. But you know, for the timeline's sake, you know, now you've just recently announced that you'll be launching another new venture of Bellato Premium Cigars, which yes. will be debuting. That's going to be in later the spring, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you've talked to plenty of people uh, in the in the cigar business where everything is kind of up in the air as far as um, boxes and bands and logistics. Right. The idea is eight weeks but it's been eight weeks for 16 weeks now so um eight by the by pca is when i'm hoping that some things are arriving in miami so that's hopefully i have enough to display and um and sell a pca that's my goal well yeah that'd be great um you've also been involved with caldwell scars as well correct yeah i started with rob and well, this is La Barba's 10th anniversary, actually, this year. Um, but I started with Rob in 2011 when he had Winwood, the Winwood Cigar Factory. Um, Tom Lazuka actually introduced us um, because we had very similar interests as far as art and food and cigars and wine and stuff like that. Um, and he had a really progressive cigar factory in the Winwood Arts District in in Miami, and. Uh, I started going down there because it was a lot easier than going to Honduras, you know, and a lot safer. Well, kind of safer. Um, but um, we would get tobacco sent to Miami at, to his factory, and then he was kind of like, 
would sit with me and while we were making uh, the La Barba Red Cigar, uh, the first one that we had that Christian made. Um, and that's where that cigar was essentially first blended was at the Winwood factory. Um, from there, uh, Robert and I continued our friendship and decided to go to Dominican Republic. We moved all of our production to the Ventura factory. Um, Rob started Caldwell and then I moved La Barba over to the Ventura factory. So we're in the same uh, cigar factory. Although now because of our growth, um, La Barba and Bellotta will be made at Henderson's father's factory. Well, Caldwell's cigars will be continued at Henderson's factory. So we kind of split production just because it was too much for one factory to handle. Um, so I'm going to the smaller of the two factories, but I'll be the, the primary um, brand in, in Henderson's father's factory. Well, that's really cool. Um, yeah, it's it, it's been uh, it's a lot. You know, you have multiple uh, brands there to juggle. Um, you know, you, like you said, you, you've had La Barba for about 10 years now. Um, and you know, now you're starting another venture again. What was kind of the, um, what was kind of the catalyst for now kind of breaking up and like, I, I want to start something else with starting up the, the Bellato line. Um, so La Barba, you know, um, we have the four core lines with La Barba, red, purple, uh, the ricochet orange and blue. And then the final, like the end cap for La Barba is going to be the Connecticut. Um, and every once in a while I may do, I'm going to do a 10th anniversary with La Barba. Um, if I can get it done in time, the cigars are done. If I can get the packaging done on time. Um, but I kind of wanted to end cap it as far as that, you know, chapter in history with La Barba was concerned as far as the, you know, limiting where, where, where we were going with things and what I was doing with the brand. Um, and then it's also my father's 50th anniversary in the cigar business uh, this year. So him and I had been talking about kind of what can we do outside of, you know, the commitments I have with La Barba. Um, what can we do outside of that as more of a palate centric brand and use our knowledge, experience and relationships in the industry to develop, you know, something outside of, of La Barba that is this primarily um not primarily controlled by me, but all the way controlled by me, if that makes any sense. Right. So it's more, it's, this is a hundred percent my palette, a hundred percent my ideas. Um, where La Barba was more of a vanguard, you know, when we, when we started La Barba, it was all of us sitting around saying, okay, what don't you like about this? What don't you like about that? What's good about this? What's good about that? And it was kind of, you know, um, a consortium of, of palettes that, kind of came together with me adjusting, you know, the volume knobs here and there where Bellotto is um, completely, you know, from the ground up designed by me based on my experiences in the business th thus far. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so to debut with Bellotto, how many, or I know we've talked about, you know, logistics or whatever, but ideally, or what you're planning on doing, if all goes according to plan, what what will you, or how much will you be debuting with Bellotto? How many lines will you have at the beginning? So right now there's, um, there's six core lines that we're gonna I'm gonna roll out over the next year. Uh, the first of which um, is something is a cigar that. I really wanted to get to people that can't really afford to be in the, in the, the hyper premium range. So I'm looking to retail the our first project, like $7, $8 and $9, like something like entry level, mm -hmm. all, obviously all premium long filler handmade, but just something that can get people into cigars or the lifestyle or my brand or cigars in general, just the, the, um, the business, the industry, the culture, the, the thing that we have that we take for granted sometimes that a lot of people like get once they, you know, get into the business of smoking cigars in, in the community. So that's the kind of the first release is sort of um, in that in that avenue, something that's really approachable, something that's really good, um, but it's not going to, you know, it's not going to make you spend your whole paycheck on a box or a five pack. Um, 
And then later on, I have, um, and that's going to be a Coraline product. There's the Habano, Connecticut, Maduro on that. And then um, on the other side, I'm going to have Ulster Premium, um, you know, right around $13 to $15, you know, real broadleaf, real um, Cameroon. And those are 13 to 15-year-old tobaccos that I'm playing with there. So those are, you know, that's kind of like the more super premium. And then we have the entry level, and they're going to kind of end cap that um, idea of, of the brands that I have coming out. Um, and you said that hopefully we'll be able to see a lot of this at PCA too. I know we're, we're, it's a little early, but we're starting to get into that PCA conversation a little bit. Um, it is the next trade show. Um, so, and hopefully, you know, as you say, we'll, we'll get to see some of that stuff on display. I mean, it's like four months away. Yeah, I know. It's, it's actually creeping up on us. I know. It'll be here before know. we know it. It, it, it will be. It, it comes quick. Um, I guess you're right. It, it seems like it's kind of out of the way, but it's really not. Um, now, so this year by PCA, so you'll be exhibiting all by yourself this year because I know in years past you've kind of shared with, with Robert a little bit. Um, yes. So you're going to be all under your own umbrella this year at PCA. Yeah, I've done it, I think, I did it two years, um, two or three, uh, without being in, a, in the, the quote-unquote down-and-back booth. Um, you know, I just think that the, the as far as, it, like, the – the number of cigars that that we have, um, Bellotto and La Barba needs to be kind of outside of the down and back booth. And as far as our personalities are concerned, I think that those are, you know, we need we need to have that that difference to to kind of set um, Bellotto and La Barba on its own. It's like it's grown up and it's time to be like like let it out of the nest a little bit more than right. the comfort zone that I was previously in. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, PCA, it's as a whole, you know, it's, it'll be an interesting show this year. Um, you were there last year, I believe, correct? Yeah, I've been there. I've been every year since 2001. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you were there last year, you saw how small the trade show was and then years past. Um, so hopefully the, the show is a little bit bigger again. Um, you know, it was definitely a weird year last year, but hopefully things are, are on the up and up with PCA and the trade show specifically. So we do have that to look forward to, and we will be getting more into that as time goes on. Um, I know it's way out of the way, but something kind of interesting. I'll actually, while we're on the topic, I'll bring this up. So Aaron Holland from the PCA is actually going to be on the show with us, and I believe it's going to be her first external cigar show that she's done. Uh, She will be with us in June, so right kind of before we're getting into that PCA mode, uh, a few weeks before, Erin is actually going to join us on the show uh, from the PCA. We'll get into a little bit what she does at PCA, kind of how she got there, and uh, all the things that she does behind the scenes that you guys probably don't even realize that she does. Um, So that would be a cool episode. And it's another Sister of the Leaf. We don't have a lot of Sisters of the Leaf come on the show. Um, Obviously, Nicole being a resident Sister of the Leaf, always on the show. It'll be nice to have... Another sister of the leaf on the show, so uh, and especially one from you know a group like the PCA, which is really unique. So um, it'll be really exciting to get her her opinion on some stuff and to, to you know hear a little bit more about her. So don't miss that show either. That's going to be a good one. Um, so Tony, one of the other things that I learned about you recently um, was that outside of cigars, you are very well versed in wines. So. Tell me a little bit about wh- where did that come from? How how is it that you you got so influenced by wine and 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 got to that point where I know you've talked you were on Coop not too long ago. You, I know you talked a little bit more about this, but um, if I remember correctly, please please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, did I hear it correctly when I heard that you said you were a, like a level three sommelier? Yeah. So there's there's basically there's two different there's two different schools. There's the Court of Master Sommeliers. If you've seen the movie Psalm, uh, that is that kind of school over here. Um, I went to what's called the Wine and Spirits Education Trust, uh, which is a stepping stone program to becoming a master of wine. Um, the WSET is the only school that gets you to the master of wine. Um, it's the only accredited program that can get you to the master of wine program. Um, the, the main differences are, um, from what I've gathered, is that the court of master sommeliers is a lot more focused on service 
and um, the end result of a wine, if that makes any sense, where uh, the school that I went to is more viticulture, viniculture, uh, law, and uh, and you're and you're focused on your palate. So there's a lot of crossover between the two, as it like a, the blind tasting and the basically the judging uh, of a wine, and then the the history and the laws those kind of crossover. Uh, but my my school was less uh, service oriented, whereas the Court of Master Sommeliers is more service oriented. If you were to be like if you were to work in a restaurant versus working in the wine industry, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, that's where the court is kind of focused, you know, where my focus was on um, more specifically towards winemaking and my palate and developing that that side of it to be um, in the industry, so to speak, the wine industry to kind of shed some light on that. And so being being so involved with wine. Being a sommelier, you know, obviously another thing requires a lot of taste and, and palate and all that, like we talked about in the beginning of the show. Would you say that your experience in, um, or, you know, maybe I'll rephrase this. So would you say that your experience in both cigars and with wine has enhanced your palate and your ability to taste things on the other side? Yeah, um, absolutely. I, they're both very similar as as far as, you know, taking multiple multiple components and adding them into one component. Um, you know, cigars have a lot to do with blending. Um, and oddly enough, so does wine. You know, if, you, if you're drinking a Cabernet, um, you're more than likely drinking, it has to be 80% Cabernet to be called a, a Cabernet. So there could be 10% Merlot, 10% Cabernet Franc. So you're 99% of the time you're drinking a blend. Um, and the idea of blending is obviously to <clears throat> to enhance or subtract flavors that you want or don't want in that product, whether it's cigars or wine. Um, so, you know, with cigars, you add Lajero to give yourself some strength. You add, depending on, you know, what kind of leaf it is, but you add the Seco for some body um, to give it a little bit more, you know, of that mouthfeel, rounded mouthfeel where wine is very similar um i saw someone speak one time about you know blending different grapes to make wine and he kind of related it to a curtain rod where you know you have to have your alcohol your tannin and your body are the three kind of rungs that you hold your curtain on and if one of them's lower than the other the whole curtain falls off and that's you know sort of the same with cigars when you start to get into the world of, of putting tobacco, different tobaccos together. You know, if you have too much of, you know, too much Lajero and not enough sweetness to kind of back that up, the whole thing kind of falls apart. And, you know, taking from both sides of being in the, the business my whole life, um, I've kind of realized the importance of that balance. Um, and I think that's that's true in any in any luxury consumable good, you know, you need that balance to kind of make your brain wonder and think about the complexities of everything. So you're not just focused on, oh, this is like, this is super spicy or this is super sweet. Even when you're cooking, it's the same thing. You know, if you dump a bunch of salt on something, you know, you're not going to pull out, you know, the the savory flavors or the sweet flavors. You're just going to taste the salty flavors. So it's very, all those things are very much in line um, you know, cooking, wine, craft beer, uh, whiskeys, cigars, um, they're all in that same kind of, uh, atmosphere, if you will. So would you say in a, in a, in a kind of a roundabout way, when it comes to, you know, blending cigars, you know, with, you know, your, the barber and, and Bellano and all the stuff you've done, um, you know, does it make it easier, you know, when you, when you're blending cigars, you know, with, with, with you know, obviously you have your, your knowledge of your wine palette and, um, you can kind of maybe pull and you can think of and you can blend maybe a little bit different, maybe a different mindset coming at it from a different angle, um, having so much of that background in your mind versus maybe someone who doesn't, you can kind of relate it to other things as you're, as you're blending the tobaccos by trying to relate it to the, you know, maybe, maybe not all of it all the way, obviously you're blending tobaccos based on themselves and, you know, how you want the cigar to be, but you're also probably in the back of your mind thinking about some of your wine strategies and some of the, the, the different flavors you get out of wine, maybe that are less, less um um thought about maybe when blending t- tobacco you can kind of pull your 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 memory of certain flavors a little bit better 
um, from that avenue. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And, you know, one of the things with wine, you know, early on and, you know, I started my I always like cigars and I've always been in the cigar business. But, you know, formally, there isn't really anything that you can go to that that kind of gives you the um, like a class that you go to every week that teaches you about tobacco, unfortunately. Right. Um, that's kind of something that's, you know, it's passed down. And I, that's something that I like about the industry and you have to learn it from somebody. Um, but one of the, the paramount, you know, the, the sort of paramount things that, that I learned, you know, going through wine and spirit school was how to develop your palate. And I think that that's the key to, to any of, of this is being aware. And like we were talking about taking a break earlier, you know, being aware of your palate and kind of having that Rolodex of flavors in your brain that you can kind of flip to and refer to when you taste something. Um, for example, you know, with wine, people might say this is a buttery Chardonnay. All right, well, why is it buttery? It's buttery because what they've done is they've they've changed malic acid, which you find in apples. That's why you might find a green apple kind of flavor in, 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 a, in a white wine, because there's malic acid, so that's green apples, because it's in green apples. Well, what they do is there's a, there's a yeast that takes that malic acid and turns it into lactic acid, which is in butter or milk. So that's called malolactic fermentation. When that happens, then you're going to get that buttery, you know, that buttery flavor or that, you know, milk flavor because of the lactic acid. And the same goes for, you know, any of the other different nuances or flavors. There's a reason why it's there. For example, the La Barba Purple Cigar, we use a tobacco in there called Carbonell. Uh, it's a family that, it's a single farm, single family varietal of tobacco. And in the second part of the growing season, what they do instead of planting soy or corn uh, to replenish the to re-nurse the soil they plant sugar beets so the tobacco pulls up what the what the second plant leaves behind so in that in the labara purple it's very aromatic and very floral that specific tobacco there's a reason why it tastes like that um and the same goes for for you know tobaccos planted in nicaragua honduras and dominican republic the soil matters the weather matters you know, where the sun is at noon matters, whether or not they're on a hillside matters, all of that matters. And that's where you get the flavors from. And that's how you can kind of start a base of where you want to go with putting tobaccos together. Like you say, okay, well, this tobacco comes from, you know, the Yamashran Valley in Honduras. I know that it, that fog sits there until about two o'clock in the afternoon. So the tobacco is going to be a little bit more on the medium bodied side, but going to be still spicy because it sees afternoon sun, you know, and you could go on and on and on and on. And I think that that's the parallel that you get is just knowing why it is the way it is. Not just, it doesn't just taste like, you know, graham crackers because you think it tastes like graham crackers. There's a reason why. And I think that, you know, diving into that and figuring that out is the fun part, but it's also the hard part. Yeah, it's so true. You know, a lot of people talk about flavors in cigars all the time. You get the flavor notes or, you know, I get hints of this or whatever. But maybe you don't necessarily understand why you taste that. And that's and that's something that I think it gets talked about a little bit. I don't think it gets fully explained enough is necessarily the why. Why is this flavor here? Why is this taste sweet? Why does it, like you said, graham cracker. There's, there's three cigars right off the bat I could name that are graham cracker. Um, that for me that I'm like, oh, I love that cigar because it tastes that way. But why does it taste that way? What tobacco was in there and what was the uh, conditions that the tobacco was involved in while it was growing that took on that? So um, very, very important points and, and, and so true. And you, you mentioned Nicaragua. You know, there's, you know, there's some volcanic areas down there. There's some tobacco down there that's very rich, um, ri rich soil. A lot of magnesium in the soil comes from that volcanic region. Um, and you can taste it and you can see it. You can see it in the, in the leaf as it burns, um, that really rich, you know, mineral content on the wrapper tobacco as it burns. Um, you know, it, it's there. And then those are like the sciences I think behind that I think should be talked about a little bit more, um, that I think, you know, even the end consumers, I don't think they get enough of that. And, and, and that would, by teaching them these things, um, it would only really enhance you know, they're buying and they're smoking habits and they can understand, you know, when they go into a cigar store and they go, I want, you know, a box of the La Barba, you know, oranges. Well, and I really like them. 
and it's like, well, have you had, well, I like those because of this, 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 and this, it tastes this way. And I know it's because of this. And, you know, in the end, you know, it ultimately, it helps consumers and it helps them buy and it helps them have more, more confidence when they go into a store and they, when they buy certain things and they ask for certain things. Well, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing more intimidating than walking into a cigar store. You know what I mean? And that, and I, I, you know, fortunately I grew up in one, you know, so it was very easy for me when I started this journey to kind of, you know, go in and, and, and talk to people about that kind of thing. But, you know, to me, it's, you know, I see people, you know, when I'm home, I'm in my dad's stores and I still see people that walk in and they're like deer in headlights and they just, and sometimes it's so overwhelming, you know, it's like when you go into like a total wine, you know, and you're like, I don't even, like, how do I, where do I even start? You know, and there's so many great retailers that have done a great job of, um, you know, teaching their staff and guys that are super involved in cigars and, and obviously, you know, guys like yourselves that are, are getting people that knowledge. And that's what I think is so cool about it versus, you know, 25 years ago when it was just like, like, good luck. You know what I mean? Now people can watch you guys and kind of get the idea of, you know, why they're smoking, what they're smoking, what they're smoking, what to do when they're in a cigar store, you know, um, those kind of little things that weren't there 25 years ago. And I think that that's a very important uh, part of the industry that, you know, could be that a lot of new smokers are kind of taking for granted that they didn't have, that we didn't have the, that, you know, getting in, none of us had that 20 years ago, you know, now it's, it's a lot of accessible information. And I, I think that that's great. And not only is there more information that's more available now for consumers, there's also more information out there for, you know, regular sales associates that work in these shops that, yeah, they, they do learn stuff working in a cigar store, but you know, the information, there's more information coming out now, you know, from the horse's mouth, from the manufacturers themselves, and people being on these shows more, doing more interviews and, and sharing that information that the, the amount of content is just, like you said, so much bigger than it was 20 years ago that it almost makes, you know, the more, you know, on both sides, it makes that transaction easier. You know, you, instead of someone coming in and be like, I want a cigar, I don't know what I want, you know, and then you have to try to figure out what they want based on what you know. It's kind of like, oh, I want this. Oh, I know this. This makes it makes the sale a lot easier. People know exactly what they want to taste. They would know what they want to smoke. Um, you know, which is good for everyone. Uh, I do want to hit our news segment really quick before I forget, um, because I want to hit that before we get too deep in the show. Our news segment is brought to you by McAuliffe Cigars. If you're not an ambassador, you can head over to McAuliffeCigars.com today. Sign up to become official ambassador. We get your ambassador number, ambassador coin. Why right? Join the McAuliffe Ambassador group on Facebook. We <coughs> hang out and smoke with some fellow ambassadors. Um, interesting news week. Um, most of the announcements have been TAA related. The TAA um, was earlier this week uh, down in Mexico. Uh, and with that, obviously, comes a lot of TAA exclusives that are coming out. Um, from around the industry. A uh, few to mention is the Timeless TAA from Ferro Tiego um, making its return, I guess, in a way. Um, now that it's under Ferro Tiego, it's on that German. Uh, Pete Johnson of Tatuaje has announced that they will be doing a TAA um, release as well, as well as I think uh, Villiger announced that they're doing a TAA exclusive release. So it's that time of the year if you're a TAA exclusive person you, you really get into those certain manufacturers uh those are being announced those are coming out um another thing that is uh kind of interesting that i thought was uh, really different uh, as you guys know we had sin coburn on the show sin and josh uh from dissident cigars they are rolling out a 101 proof bourbon whiskey under the dissident brand um and that is going to be from what i understand a event exclusive Cigar. It's a small batch bourbon that is made in Sin's hometown of Detroit, Michigan, and uh, that'll be uh, out and about in cigar shops and events that'll be coming up too. So, uh, some interesting things this week. A break from our normal legislative stuff that we normally try to do. Uh, something a little bit more exciting, a little more glamorous, I guess we could say, um, in our new segment this week. Um, once again, brought to you by McAuliffe Cigars. Uh, the, Tony, there's one thing I wanted to follow up with you on before um, I got into the news. I, 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 I saw it kind of go by, and then I, I kind of forgot about it. But someone had mentioned in the comments. I think it was Jared from McAuliffe, actually, 
that you actually have your own wine as well, which uh, Jared says is just straight fire. Oh, he's, I didn't know he was watching. Hi, Jared. <laughs> yeah, Jared's my buddy. Uh, yeah, tell us, tell us a little bit more about your wine. <clears throat> so, um, a very good friend of mine and someone that's, that actually helped me uh, at the beginning with La Barba is Hunter Vogel. Um, Hunter owns a wine company called Treasure Hunter Wines. Um, and this may sound familiar to you, but what he does is he finds wines that um, don't really have a home. Um, so he'll buy, you know, say if a, if a wine um, winery like Camus or Silver Oak makes 2,000 cases of wine for their vintage and that's their, their number, uh, they may have enough juice to make 3,500 bottles or 3,500 cases or whatever the number may be where Hunter will buy that extra juice um, and then signs a non-disclosure agreement and releases it under a, a fun name um, and gets the wine that may be $200 a bottle uh, into a, a $20 format. Um, and that's called Treasure Hunter Wines. I met him a long time ago when I was first getting into wine and I couldn't... Um, I couldn't afford to taste these wines and he saw kind of like a, you know, like the Bambi eyes I had about wine and was like, well, and he kind of like gave me a, like a nudge and was like, this is what this is. Um, so very early on him and I became friends and he came down to, to Miami with me to Wynwood. Um, and we spent some time together there. Uh, since then Hunter has become a very, very good friend of mine. Um, about, I think what, three, four years, maybe five years now, um, I was, like, at the time, and I still am, was really into sparkling wine, and I couldn't find any any rosé that was dry that was reasonable in price. And I was like, I'm looking through all these vendors' books, and I'm like, and, and, and a sparkling wine is done in champagne method, meaning it's not carbonated, uh, it's not forced carbonated. It's carbonated in the bottle. Um, it's riddled. Um, and I couldn't find anything that was a true rosé, meaning they didn't take a white wine and add red wine. And we could get into that. Like, that would take three hours. But this was a, a true 100% Pinot Noir rosé um, that we ended up with. And I couldn't find anything like it. And so I said that to Hunter, and I was like, I'm like, man, like, I'm really having a hard time because I really like sparkling wine, and I really like it with cigars. But I can't find anything that's dry. I can't find anything that's rosé. And I can't find anything that's like not $150. And he was like, well, why don't we do something? And that was kind of the the spark behind that. And that was where Viva La Vida was born, was was in that within that need. So basically what I do in my life is like I really like something. So instead of like going out and buying it full price, I, I start a company. Right? So like cigars, I really like cigars. So I'm going to go out and make them. So same with the wine. Um so we found a, pr a producer in Barcelona, Spain, um, that checked all of those boxes. It took about a year and a half, 18 months, um, to find a producer that would, one, get us the, the sparkling wine that we need, um, the way that we wanted it done, with the grapes that we wanted, at a price that we wanted. Um, we finally found that producer, and then we started importing uh Viva La Vida into the U.S. Um, it's in about, I think it's in 13 states. We just opened Florida uh, last week. Um, but a lot of a lot of people are intimidated by rosé, and they think that it's supposed to be sweet, where traditional rosé is not. It's dry. Um, and same with sparkling wine. It's tr typically like attributed towards Moscato's or sweet wines where that's supposed to be dry and it's supposed to be crisp and refreshing and nice. And it's very good with cigars because it's, uh, it, it wipes your palate clean. It's like, what, it's like having club soda with a little bit of flavor. You know, I don't know if you drink club soda when you're smoking, but you have club soda or, or so, or like wafer crackers will kind of reset your palate and kind of give you like a clear, um, sharp edge kind of view on, on what you're smoking. Um, and I thought that was what was I thought that was very cool about sparkling wine. And the other uh, misnomer about sparkling wine is you're only supposed to drink it on special occasions, where I think you should drink it all the time. Um, so that was kind of the idea behind um, 
creating Viva La Vida was that sparkling wines for everybody. You don't have to be celebrating anything. It doesn't have to be sweet and it doesn't have to be expensive. So that was kind of our, like, what we wanted to deliver with, with that wine. And that's the story behind the Viva La Vida. Um, very interesting. And I like how you made the analogy of whenever you, you like something, you want something, you just start a company on it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's, but it's true though. You know, you, you start a company, you know, you, you do it your way. You, you can make what you want. You can have control over it. You know, you, like you had a vision for what you wanted. You knew what you, same with cigars too. We, I'm sure it happens all the time. You know, you, you get this thing in your head where you know like exactly what you want, you know the pieces you need, and you just need to go out and you need to put it together yourself. Instead of trying to find it from someone else, you know what, I'll just make it. I know what I want, I know what I need, I'll get with the right people, and I'll make it. Um, and I think that that's, that's, you know, the way I think most, you know, manufacturers are, but it, it, it's a great mentality to have. Like, well, you know what, I can, ju- I can make this. Um, and I can just, you know, and, and the idea can just come, you know, come out, come out of your head and become actually something. Uh, that people can enjoy. Uh, we have a question from Justin White. Uh, can you ask him about the Siempre Tamboril? Will it be made again? How did that blend come about? Okay. So, yes and no, and I'll keep going with it. Okay, so Siempre, well, I brought my dad down. It's, a, it's a funny. So I brought my dad down to DR, and I was like deep into blending purple and we were at the factory all day and we were smoking the components you know in in like basically like Cheritos like little uh like you you know you roll them on your leg kind of yeah just like like blunts basically uh just for the just to smoke the tobacco and all day long my dad was trying stuff with me and he's like He's like, can't we just go back to camp? Like he wanted, he was on vacation. Like he was just straight chilling, right? Right. And I'm like, I'm like, Dad, I gotta work. But he's like, he's like, I'm tired of this. And I'm like, well, I mean, what do you like? What do you want me to do? Like we're here to, I'm here to work. And he was like, here there on vacation. So he's like, can't you just make me something that I can smoke in the morning before all this crazy shit happens with you guys? Like different tobaccos here, different tobaccos there. Can't you just make me something? that I can sit on the patio of Camp David in the morning with no one bothering me to smoke with my coffee so I can enjoy my time um, in Dominican Republic. Because at Camp David, it's usually like 15 to 20 degrees cooler up there. Where we're at in Tamboril is a, is a city. Um, it's hot. It's 100% humidity. There's no air conditioning. And we're smoking, you know, Lajero tobacco. So you're you know, you're nicotine sick and it's pretty grueling. I mean, it doesn't sound like it is, but it really is. Um, so siempre came from siempre means always in Spanish. So that was meant to be a cigar you could smoke all the time and not really have to think about too much. So sort of just like you could zone out and meditate and smoke that cigar and have your coffee or, you know, have a cocktail or, you know, something that was just, well-made, well-blended, but not necessarily something that was too, like, over-the-top. Wouldn't It wouldn't, wouldn't overwhelm. It, it wouldn't kick your ass. It wouldn't be too strong. Yeah, and it, and it won't. So heavy. Right. It won't overwhelm your drink or your food or your cocktail or your coffee or whatever. It just goes with everything. Right. Um, and that cigar kind of, like, landed flat because everything was – when Down and Back started distributing La Barba um, – Siempre came along with that, but everything was so new. It was like red, purple, and, you know, Lost and Found was doing what it was doing. And, and then there was like this little, like, you know, like guy that was trailing behind everybody, which was Siempre. And um, I, we, I just discontinued it. It became basically like a cigar that, we, that my dad and I smoke that I just get made for us. Um, but to answer that question, that was the, that's the basics for the, that's the basis, basis for the blend of the Ricochet Connecticut that's coming out whenever I can get boxes made. So the cigars are sitting in DR right now waiting for packaging. Uh, but that will be the La Barba Ricochet Connecticut. That's the ba- That was the uh, sort of birth of the con- – I've, I've tweaked it a little bit since Siempre, but that will be Ricochet Connecticut. That's where that 
goes in the whole scheme of things. Interesting. So, so yes, and I can say the yes and no. Um, now, it was funny. So, uh, follow up. What is your favorite? And I'll and I'll get. I'm gonna ask some about this after. But uh, he also asked follow up question. What's your favorite lost and found, and what's the story of finding it? Uh, I don't know. What I went away. You guys there? Yep. Yeah, we're here. Okay. My screen went black for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but to answer the question, um, my favorite was pepper cream soda. Uh, that was the first one that we did. Um, but now my favorite stuff is all the antique stuff. So that's that's kind of where what I think is is the is is what the best stuff that we've we found um has been so far this original pepper cream soda and the the newer antique stuff the 2006 the colorado claro stuff is just phenomenal that, that we have from um from the antique collection and how so for those who who, who might not know or maybe are are newer to to you and and, and your work with uh, robert with with caldwell um tell us a little bit more about the lost and found series uh, and what it is and kind of how it came to be. So Lost and Found um, was was born out of curiosity. Um, at the time, Rob was supplying hotels and restaurants in, in Miami with cigars um, with a company called Hotel Humidor. Uh, basically, he would just curate uh you know, cigar menus for, for hotels and restaurants in Miami. Um, so he was constantly going to cigar factories and the kid traveled like crazy at the time, like 250 days a year in, in uh, like Pan America, Central America, Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, Honduras, Costa Rica was always in these factories and him and I just developed a friendship at that point. And it was uh, between when we started Lost and Found was between him at Wynwood and him um, with Caldwell Cigar Company. And he was coming back and he would call me from, you know, these factories and be like, hey, man, like I'm I'm smoking this incredible cigar that I found. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he would be like, like Rob's the kind of guy that will go into a factory and just point at something. And be like, What is that? And then cigar, the cigar industry is so generous. Like you, you go to a cigar factory and they're always handing you cigars and you never really know what it is. Um, but Rob would take it and smoke it and be like, this is incredible. What is it? And they would be like, well, it was this brand from, you know, the nineties. It's discontinued, or it was for this cigar that we never did. Or we were, we made, you know, a limited edition. And if they make a limited edition cigar, that's a thousand cigars. They'll make 2000 of them just to make sure that a thousand of them are good. And if those thousand are good, and they have a thousand extra cigars, um, or 500, or whatever. So they make sure that they have enough quality to fulfill their limited edition. Well, sometimes that quality doubles. Um, anyway, there's a number of ways, and he was sending them back to me, um, and he was just sending them to me from Miami when he would get back in, uh, like just brown bundles, or Ziploc bags for that matter. Um, and I'm like, man, we could. I would really like to get these to people, um, you know, in my shop. And that was when I was working at the shop full time. Um, so we just kind of the like pepper cream soda was basically like, that's the way it tasted. Um, and we just basically made stickers and like, well, release the cigars to the people, you know, and that was the idea. And that's where we've been with that ever since. Um, and, and when we started, it was a, you know, very playful, um, sort of thing. And we've kind of graduated, uh, that brand into, uh, antique line. Now, uh, antique line is something that, you know, is authorized retailers. They're very, very special cigars. Our oldest one is from 2002, 2001, uh, that we found, but they're, you know, some, I have one back here. That's a box one of one. We literally only found enough cigars for a box um and so it's that kind of real limited edition thing that's from 
that are hyper aged that have been sitting in factories for 15, 20 years um, or, you know, three years. Um, just cigars that we think are great that we think people should be able to smoke that are that are never going to be out there otherwise. Um, and that's kind of the evolution of, of Lost and Found. Um, additionally, added on top of that, Lost and Found is going to be a right around 10 years old this year, too. We started a project back then. Um, we decided to put just completely put cigars away and not even touch them um, until right around 10 years. And that's going to be that's instant classic 22 minutes to midnight. So we have some different things we put away um, that we decided not to even touch for 10 years. So it's kind of a, you know, a hybrid of things that we're finding uh, stuff that we've put away stuff that, you know, we're kind of hoarders. So stuff that just we set aside in the factory and said, okay, we're going to leave this for this period of time with this well-aged tobacco. Um, and that was kind of, that's kind of the birth of lost and found, um, and kind of where we're at today with, with it. Yeah, it's definitely interesting and it's so unique. You know, the concept behind it is, is interesting. Um, I know you kind of mentioned, you know, something similar, you know, in, in the, in wine earlier. Um, and then, you know, it also reminds me of, um, what's that company? Uh, Orphan Barrel, which kind of goes out and finds you know, barrels of whiskey that were, you know, forgotten about in rickhouses and maybe they weren't used. They were put aside. There was a project. Maybe the project fell through. The barrel never got used, but it kind of continued to sit there. And then, oh, let's bottle this and make it something. And it's kind of like a one-off run. It goes. Um, it, it really is interesting. You know, you, I don't think people realize, like, how much stuff like that there really is out there and um, stuff that's perfectly fine or it's it's good stuff. It just maybe got forgotten about and uh, it just maybe it was being saved for something and then it never got used for that. And then, you know, you know, people like you guys can come along and you know what, let's take these cigars and let's use them for something. Um, which is really unique. Um, we have our top three segment right before we end the show, our top three segment brought to you by room one one cigars. Watch the smoking tobacco show. Eat your vegetables, take your vitamins and smoke room one one I said I was going to have the sound bite. I know we just we haven't had time. We've been uh, we've we'll been little, we've been extra quiet lately. Uh, we've just had a lot of things going on um, behind the scenes. So we've just we've been very behind on a lot of things. But hope that should be changing in the next in the next week. We should be back to our full strength um, as we we sort some things out. Um, but before we get to uh, also setting up for the charity, which we'll go, we'll talk about after. Yeah. Uh, our top three though. So. I, I try to always I try to find a topic that's kind of specific to the guest. Um, so Tony, for you, um, was curious. I, I had one that I was going to use before, but then I, I kind of changed it after we got on here because kind of something came up, and I was like, oh, actually, I think I have something here that I really like. Um, so in terms of your wine background and all the wine that you 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 uh, you've been able to discover and try and all that, what are your three favorite regions? that you like to drink wine from <clears throat> i mean my favorite my favorite all-time region is willamette valley i think we were talking about that earlier before the show started i mean that's my the pinot noir that comes from willamette valley is my my like number by far the best wines i've ever had um number two would be burgundy um and third would be right bank bordeaux i was i was thinking between right and left bank but i think right bank is what i've been Lately, what I've been really digging. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with you. Um, I, I, I was telling, I mentioned to you before, but I would been talking about with Nicole, you know, as we, we're, we, we have been, we've been wine drinkers lately. We haven't really been drinking a lot of stuff in general. Um, I wouldn't say we're the most knowledgeable. No, but wine I mean, drinkers, but we're learning. But, but there's, but, the, but, but there was a time when we drank more wine than we do now. Um, and all, all of the stuff, you know, like a lot of the, the Oregon distill, um, the wineries, especially the Pinot Noirs. I mean, we're big Pinot Noir drinkers. It's some of our favorite stuff as well. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's just, I don't think I found a bottle that I, that I've really truly just not liked yet. I mean, most of them that I've picked up, I'm like, okay, you know, new wine, let's try it. And it's I'm like, wow, this is really impressive. Um, tonight we're drinking... Not, not one of those. We're drinking a cab. Um, a Robert Mondavi private selection bourbon barrel aged cab um, that we picked up from Costco. I think that was what, like 15 bucks? 
great wine. Real sweet. Real sweet. Just a lot of great Probably flavor. a lot of vanilla coconut kind of going on. Probably yeah. That. Actually, yeah. yeah. It's just really, you could definitely taste, you could taste the uh, the barrel. It goes you, great with the cigar, actually. It really yeah. does. It really goes well with the cigar. It re- they really complement each other well. They, they, it doesn't really overpower each other. So it's a really good, um, it's a good pair. I will Both say. a little sweet and spicy, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've, just, I've been loving this wine. We've got to finish that bottle. It's great. Um, I'm almost there. <laughs> I've, almost. Yeah, you, you'll finish it before I will. That's for sure. Um, one thing I want to mention, you know, now that we've, you know, we finished the top three. Uh, I, I touched on this before. Um, we do have the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation fundraiser that will be kicking off Monday. That is when the fundraiser will go live. Similar system to last year, a little bit more polished up. It's going to be on Rally Up, which is a, uh, a service that, that hosts these things you know, for people. Instead of doing it all of ourselves, you know, last year Nicole wrote all those raffle tickets by hand and sent them out. We one sold two thousand raffle tickets. So if you participated last year, you had that email from me. I hand wrote out two thousand raffle tickets. So, so we had to wow. do something different this year because yeah, so I wasn't doing that. Again. This year it will be all <laughs> it'll be self-automated. So once yeah. it goes live, we can just kind of sit there and enjoy it too. Yeah. Um, but that will be going live. And the prizes keep coming in. So for those of you, um, I mean, I'm sure most people have heard, but if you have not, um, last year we decided for our anniversary, our first anniversary of the show, we were going to do a raffle um, to benefit the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation. We wanted to use our platform to do something good for the world. (laughs) Um, And so we were able to raise, with the help of everyone who donated, um, $7,000 that went um, to the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation. And it was a huge success. Um, we had a ton of very generous cigar brands donate prizes. And this year, it's a whole, it's a different level. Yeah, it's definitely year. a much, <laughs> the, the, the bar has been raised. I mean, we got some really cool stuff. Um, the money goes to a great place, too. I mean, it, it goes to, to giving a better life to, to kids who maybe otherwise wouldn't have even had the chance to, to try if they wanted to. Um, and we've been teasing the prizes. So, Last year, sort of the the bigger ticket items were all of the rare opus that was not for sale that came from um, private collections from the Fuente family. Um, we had over forty, I think. It was we had forty like 30 prizes to 40 in total. Yeah. Prizes just from Fuente alone. Um, this, this year, this year we have some experiences now that you know. Too. We we still have the Fuente stuff, but but um, we've been teasing some of these prizes, and since our last show, right. Yeah. Um, J.C. Newman, um, one of our lovely sponsors, um, they they announced what their prize was going to be, and they're um, just a tease. Which we're actually one. hearing here first because we haven't we haven't we haven't said anything yeah. about this yet. So they have two donations. So their first raffle item is the Diamond Crown package, um, and this package is worth a thousand dollars, or valued at a thousand dollars. It has um, it's a whiskey set that has. Rocks, glasses, stones, tongs. It comes um, in a beautiful display case. It has um, a 90-count humidor um, in that as well. Um, there's an ashtray. And then there's a signed box of Diamond Crown Number no. 5 from Eric and Bobby Newman. Um, but the second raffle item that they're um, donating is a tour of their El Relo factory and dinner on J.C. Newman. Um, wow. Which I think is is cool really so fantastic that's be a great prize another interesting yeah. one that that's worth mentioning is uh our friend john carney as you guys yep. know is part of the smoking tobacco family um uh, but his his primary business is uh vice president of sales <laughs> for la flor dominicana um which is why he hasn't been on in a while because he's been busy he's been busy Hustling. He was at <laughs> he was at um pro cigar he was at taa this week he's gonna be um, a he'll be at pca <laughs> yeah uh la flor dominicana makes their return yeah. Um, so, uh, but he has actually put in. So there will be some boxes of Andalusian Bulls signed by Lito Gomez, and uh, as well as a blend your own cigar experience. Yep. Uh, that will also be part of that. So you have a chance to win that, and you can work with the folks over at La Flor Dominicana to blend your own cigar. Yeah. Um, which will be truly unique and 
really once in a lifetime for a lot of people. I mean, that's not something that most people really get to I'm do. I'm also really worried because I didn't think we could top last year, and we topped it this year. I don't know what we're going to do for next year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. People it's can't keep one-upping it because there has to be a limit. <laughs> I know. They're really like – it's – it's crazy, but you know, but it's yeah. good, and uh, and it and it really just it really makes us so happy to see people want to be involved in in something like this, and 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 want to help and give back, and you know, we we appreciate that first and foremost because we don't ask anyone to you know we we let people know obviously like anyone who wants to to donate whatever you know no pressure either way, and people just come out like hey I want to put something in hey I want to put something in so uh, I really appreciate it you know again it's 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 something different for us to do that's giving back to others and um it's not so much about us it's about other people and uh, to be able to give something to, to people who need it more um and to raise money and to see people come together to do that it just means a lot to to us yep. to the fuente and newman families to to the kids that this benefits it goes a long way so again just just thank you to everybody um and that 28th we are doing a special show where we're gonna um we're literally just going to showcase the prizes during that. Yep. So that is the kickoff. We're going to be running the raffle for, I think, like six weeks. I think six or eight weeks. Um, we'll have the exact date on that. But we're just showcasing the prizes that night. Yep. So we have them. We'll show them to you. But, um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be great. And this year our goal is $10,000. So Yeah, so Ooh. we're really excited. Yep. We're, we're, we're really looking forward to this, this kickoff on Monday. Yep. Um, sorry, Tony, not to get away yeah. from you. I um I no, I've been I've been to that I've been to the school and um, you have oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, my dad's been friends with the Newmans and and Carlito for years and we went out um to the chateau and then we went to the school in Bonal and and I could tell you know everybody that it like it's a real thing and everything matters like the the donations that you guys do. Um, and the stuff that you guys are doing is, is, is amazing to me. And it's, I just want everyone to know that that's watching the show that, that everything matters that goes down there and it, and they use it all for, for the, the school and the charitable foundation is, is one of the greatest things that they've, that they've done. And, and I think that it's super cool that you guys are doing that and that you guys are making such a difference. And that's what it's really all about in my opinion. So kudos to you guys and, and congratulations on everything and and it's a very it's a very good cause and it's a very cool thing that you guys are doing well thank you tony um it's it really is it's it's very it's it's special just to be a part of um you know and we we hope to uh to see the school later this year we're trying to make plans to to go down there so uh, hopefully we get to see it too this year um it, it's, it's really real when you get there man yeah it really is Everyone I've talked to has said that when, once you get there and you and you're there and you see it and you see the kids, it just it changes your life forever. Bring bring tissues, man. I'm telling you, it's it's crazy. Wow, yeah, yeah. Really, really excited to see that. It's it really special. Yep. Um, Tony, right? You know, it, before we wrap up the show and, and we wrap up with you, just first I want to say thank you for coming on. Uh, I know you're a busy guy. Thank right? you for having I, me. Absolutely, anytime. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to to be here with us. Um. Before we sign off, you know, la last um, last comments for you. Um, anything you want to say? But first, I'll, I'll ask you as a kind of, of a segue into it. Anything else that you want to uh, to announce? Mention anything we can uh, maybe look forward to outside of just you know PCA. Um, you know, maybe just looking towards you know in the next year or two. You know, what your what your longer term plans are with everything you got going on. Anything exciting? Anything different that maybe you haven't mentioned? Uh, that we also could look forward to no i mean we i think we pretty much covered everything you know um we have um some fun stuff with lost and found coming you know like i said lost and found is taking a new direction um as far as you know what we're doing with that and like i said antique collection you know these cigars are boxed and banded um and we're really giving them the the attention and, and the the love that they've always deserved um but we're really showcasing them in a different way um, with, you know, what we have going on with Lost and Found this year. We have Instant Classic Box Press. Those cigars have been sitting for 10 since we started. Um, we have 22 Minutes to Midnight. Um, I think Robert's version's floating around there somewhere now, but I have one coming uh, with that. <clears throat> um, and 
a lot of people have asked me my you know my attention uh, will not be diverted away from La Barba cigars. That is you know my my baby. Uh, I, I'm still going to be making sure that that is uh, taken care of over being you know I'm still doing all the all the blending and the quality control for La Barba cigars. That's not going to change. Um, I'm just adding one more thing on top of that, which is the Bellotto stuff. Um, but other than that, you know, I'm just, I'm just hanging out. Yeah. I think there was some people who, who did not like really worry, but it was like, Oh, like, is he moving away from La Barba now? Like, what is this? Um, no. Yeah. so it's nice for you to set the record straight. Like, no, you're not doing that. Um, just kind of adding, um, a, a different piece. Uh, but you'll still be involved with, with, with everything. So. Yeah. I mean, for example, at the trade show booth, you know, it's going to be La Barba and Bellotto. You know, it's not going to be. I'm not that. I'm not stepping away from that. Nothing's changing with it. Um, you know, that's still something that I'm 100% involved in and um, and doing. It's just adding another kind of scope to the whole puzzle, if you will. Another piece to the whole puzzle. Absolutely. Hey, you know, it's growth. Growth is good. Mm-hmm. You know, continuing to grow. Uh, Tony, you know, just you know, congrats on everything that you've done so far. Uh, you've just done an amazing job. Um, you put out some really good cigars, and uh, we're excited to see you continue to grow. We're excited to see Blotto launch and, and, and everything that that's going to do um, and everything else that you've got working on. So hats off to you. Good luck with everything. Um, Thank you, guys. Congrats on it. And we look forward to seeing you at PCA. Um, it's going to be a blast. It always is. And um, it'll be, you know it's always fun to see everyone. So uh, looking forward to seeing you there. Don't forget to like, subscribe, head over to SmokingTobacco.com for more information. The uh, official announcement with all of the detailed information on the fundraiser will be available soon. Uh, and then it will launch on Monday um, on the 28th. And then that night, I think 8 p.m., I think 8 p.m., um, we will have a, a special show. We will showcase the prizes and kind of everything going on. So don't miss that. It's coming. Don't worry. We'll make sure there's plenty of information. Other than that, we want to thank Tony for being here with us tonight. Tony, thank you so much. It was thank great you to guys. have you. And we My will pleasure. and we will see you on Monday night. Take care.